Hello, and welcome to the Capital Compass Podcast. We are the official podcast of the New York State Catholic Conference. I'm your host, Jillian. Today, I'll be talking with Jim Coltrera, the Director for Education at the New York State Catholic Conference, about the conference's role in a Catholic education and how Catholic schools cope during the pandemic. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. So uh, I guess we'll just dive right in. You are the Director of of Education for the New York State Catholic Conference, and I just wanted to um, talk about what our role is in uh, Catholic education. Well, it's... uh... This is my 26th year doing this, and um, the role has remained constant over all this time, and and that is to represent our uh, Catholic schools before the New York State Legislature, the Executive Department, you know, with the Governor and the State Education Department, but also with Congress um, and the White House. So we are advocating for Catholic schools, and I'm the Catholic school lobbyist. Um, You know, being a lobbyist uh, has some connotations that people don't look very favorably upon, uh, some people. Um, The way I view it is uh, we're advocating for the children and families that uh, our schools serve, and that's what makes this... um, position and our work very fulfilling because ultimately we're not just advocating for facilities and the needs of those facilities, but for the families that choose our schools to educate their kids. Over the decades, um, there has definitely been a decline in enrollment in Catholic and just in general private schools. So can you tell me a little bit about why school choice is so important? School choice, um, when it comes down to it, is a basic human right. Families, I should say parents, are the ones who bring children into this world. And they're the ones who have uh, not only the responsibility, but they have the right to raise their children according to um, their faith and their beliefs. Um, And the overwhelming majority of uh, developed Western countries not only recognize that right, they support the rights of parents financially. Uh, so the much of Great Britain and in Europe, uh, Australia and Canada, uh, they provide funding to enable parents to choose a school, whether it's a government-run school or a religious-run school, or just a not-for-profit. Um, and in the United States, we've had a um, different balancing act. Um, but I have to say 32 states in this country have one or more forms of public assistance that help tuition-paying families. It's critical for our schools. You, you acknowledge the the... Um, the longstanding decline in enrollment. Um, that decline in enrollment is attributable to um, parents' inability to pay. It's not about um, their lack of desire or lack of quality. 
There are always waiting lists for our schools, for our scholarships. It's the inability of pay. And so having a publicly funded program, sometimes called school choice, sometimes called education choice, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a tax credit or a scholarship or a golden ticket, right? Um, helping parents select a school that's best fitted for uh, their children is not only good for that child and that family, it's good for society. So we talk about like the financial aspect and decline for a lot um, in enrollment is because a lot of people think they can't afford it. Or again, you know, you said you have a lot of people on waiting lists uh, for scholarships. So uh, I just wanted to cover that. That's one of the things you advocate for um, tax credits and everything um, while lobbying. Absolutely. So that has been parental choice, educational choice has been our top priority for decades, right? Enabling parents to exercise their right of choice, right? They, they have that choice. Um, and so advocating for some form of financial assistance to help uh, families, particularly low and middle income families, because choice does exist in, in New York, right? And how do parents exercise that choice? Well, those who can afford a private school choose a private school. Those who can't, but let's say they move to a different school district, um, or they uh, get a seat in a charter school, there are families that are able to exercise choice. But there are families who want to exercise a choice. They want to have their children enrolled in a religious or an independent school, and they simply can't afford it. And that right should not be available only to the people who can afford it. That's the real ethical uh, question at hand. I feel like people, with the decline of enrollment, people don't really understand why Catholic schools are so vital to our society. So can you um, get into that a little bit? Oh, my goodness. Well, that'll take the rest of the day, but let me <laughs> let me mention a few quick things. First of all, um, having uh, a society like ours, which is very diverse, there is no one-size-fits-all, right? Um, we're, we're not North Korea, and that has a, that has a uniform government-mandated um, education system. Uh, our country um, was built on choice, and um, though, if providing those choices for the immigrants who have been the foundation of this um, country. And um, the choices are just as needed today as they were two centuries ago. Um, and the other big aspect is we save taxpayers a ton of money. If the children, roughly 450,000 children in the state's religious and independent schools, 200,000 in Catholic schools, if they were to be educated in public schools, there would be an additional cost of some $12 billion that taxpayers would have to fork over. Um, now, look at the flip side of that. Catholic school families are also already paying taxes to support public school, but they're paying for education twice. They're paying for education for public school students, and they're paying tuition to support their own children's education. 
So they're paying twice, and their sacrifice, in in that financial sacrifice, is a real gift to New York taxpayers. Um, and and we see it every time a Catholic school closes, the aid to public schools has to go up to educate those kids, um, and that's not uh, fair. It's not actually prudent, fiscally prudent. But it's not the best for society if we if we can't allow parents to exercise their choice. So, uh, as you said, you've been here for 26 years. Um, what is some of the legislation you pride yourself on for being a part of? Um, I know we've worked with a few different coalitions and everything, um, but there's so much to education. So yeah, the you know aside from um, parental choice. Um, we are actually blessed here in New York with um, support from lawmakers for decades. And uh, so we receive um, support for instructional materials for our students, transportation to get a ride to school, uh, school nurses, um, some of the more recent programs that uh, we've been successful in advocating for and enacting. Um, one of the recent programs is funding for STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. Our schools um, now benefit from a first-in-the-nation program where the state provides reimbursement uh, to our schools for the, um, a portion of the salaries of our STEM teachers. So that, that has given our schools a real shot in the arm, additional support where we can hire STEM teachers, recognizing that um, our economy, the world economy, this national economy, New York's economy, is built on um, science and technology, and that need is only going to grow. So that's a, an important program. We also have been successful in securing a funding for health, safety, and security, uh, security devices like cameras and uh, door locks. Uh, but also funding to test the water supply in our schools and whether there's radon. Um, and so those programs are, are just as vital in the operation of our schools. Um, it, those programs provide sort of an add-on. They don't support the underlying cost of running our schools, which is supported primarily by tuition. Um, so parental choice will always be the top priority, but these other programs... Um, have been very important to um, making sure our schools are on par with the, the um, operations of public schools. And um, we're at, at the same time, we're now advocating for facility funding to help um, some of our schools that are having trouble raising money to repair a leaking roof or some structural repairs. So our advocacy will, will never end. Are you interested in staying up to date with New York State legislation pertinent to the Catholic Church? Do you want your Catholic voice to be heard? Sign up for the Catholic Action Network by going to our website at nyscatholic.org slash action dash center or texting CAN to 50457. Again, CAN, C-A-N, to 50457. As... Everybody in the world uh, was affected by the uh, COVID pandemic, so were Catholic schools. So I wanted to talk a little about how the Catholic schools coped with the pandemic and how they keep evolving um, 
since everything has happened? Boy, so much um, had was forced to change with the pandemic, and it's a it's a testament to the dedication of our Catholic school principals and the teachers in how they responded when the governor um, shut down New York schools in March of 19, um, as governors around the country did, um, New York's educators, public and religious and independent alike, recognized that they had to shift to remote learning. Um, It took, generally speaking, it took the public school community about two weeks to transition um, from in-person to remote learning. In the Catholic schools, it took us about two days There was essentially a day off to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Um, There was a second day of implementing, getting the technology in place. And on the third day, for the most part, our schools were up and running and kids were receiving instruction at home on their devices from their own teachers, um, coping with it as the teachers have, have had to. So that was a remarkably quick turnaround from in-person to remote instruction. And parents were very grateful for that. Um, as we finished that school year, though, we recognized that um, many parents who had lost income or lost their jobs could not uh, uh, continue to afford Catholic schools. So we saw a decline in enrollment um, throughout the state and for which we actually have not recovered. There's still significant job loss that has not been um, regained. Um, But uh, also on the flip side, there was a fair amount of families whose children were in public schools, and they recognized that the Catholic schools were doing a terrific job in restarting school with remote learning, And then in the 2021 school year, this past school year, um, we started up on day one. We did not um, question whether we were going to come back uh, into in-person instruction. The decision was made by all of our schools. In-person instruction is absolutely essential to the kids, essential to teaching and learning. And it was not a matter of whether we were going to do it. It was a matter of how we were going to do it. And so our schools um, complied with the uh, state health department protocols and demonstrated, proved to the rest of the world that we can, uh, in following those protocols, provide in-person instruction um, in a safe manner. And because of that, we had very few incidences of infection um, and and transmission. And that, again, is a testament to not only the teachers and principals who uh, faithfully administered those protocols, but also a testament to the families who also had to comply and and make sure their children were complying. You know, I'll just say that uh, Catholic schools um, have been a gift to this country. There were Catholic schools um, on this continent before the notion of a public school system. 
they weren't called Catholic schools, they were called schools, <laughs> right? And, you know, and since the establishment of the public school system, um, it has become somewhat, I shouldn't say somewhat, it's become very competitive in, in many areas. Um, and unfortunately, uh, there are some uh, who believe that uh, supporting uh, Catholic schools means you're taking away from public schools. And, and that's not the case. The Catholic Conference supports education of all children. The vast majority of Catholics attend public schools, and we support public schools. And in our advocacy, we don't advocate just for ourselves, right, for safety and security funding or for instructional materials or for our facility needs. We're advocating for families of New York, um, regardless of where they go to school. Um, Catholic schools are a gift to New York. Um, many legislators, uh, the governor recognizes that, and we hope that their uh, continued support will only grow. Thank you so much for uh, being on, Jim. I'm glad to be here. Talk to you soon next time. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Capital Compass podcast, and thank you to Jim Coltrera for coming on the show this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be coming out with a new episode every other week. If you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to catch the latest from the conference, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NYSCatholicConf and on Facebook at NYSCatholicConference. Thanks again, and God bless.